Yo, what's going on, people? Welcome to another episode of Clutch Pod. I'm your host, AB. As always, I'm going to be taking you through the Premier League weekend results and latest news. So, rah, where do we begin? We've got a lot of stuff to cover. We have to start off with the big news that came out Tuesday morning. Obviously, we did record the night before, hence why we couldn't cover it on the previous episode. But it's over. <laughs> it's over, it's over, it's over. Aye. So Tuesday morning, we found out Jose Mourinho has left his post as manager of Manchester United. I, I just, I literally woke up to the news. You know, when you check your phone in the morning, yeah, and it's bare bright and your eyes are all skinting. Check, I just saw Jose Mourinho sacked, sacked, sorry. I sprang out. I was so alert. I was like, yeah. Woke up, bare messages, bare man shout at me, this, this, that. I, I can't lie. I'm just happy he's gone. I'm so happy he's gone. I, because that performance against Liverpool last week, it was shambolic, bruv. But yeah, man, he's gone now. And then we've appointed Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. You are my Solskjaer. So Solskjaer's head to the end of the season to try and steer the ship, you know, guide us back to the right track. Even though I wouldn't wish unemployment on anybody, can trust me. I know the unemployment struggle, fam. Searching indeed all that stuff. Trust me, fam. Man's been through it. But yeah, <laughs> even though I don't wish that upon anyone, I feel like it was his time to go, man. He just had to go because realistically, he was in way beyond his depth. Like, it was just unacceptable. But yeah, so United appointed Solskjaer to the end of the season. We loaned him from Mulder. The, in the Norwegian league, a whole type Molder though. Those are our brothers, man. Safe for the loan. Don't worry, we're running back. We're running back. But yeah, big up them. We got off to the perfect start on Saturday. The late kickoff. We played Cardiff, Solskjaer's former team, in which he guided them to relegation. But yeah, that's all in the past. But we played Cardiff away. Huge, huge victory. Five-one. Attacking football. It's like they just the players just flicked on the switch, like. Pogba got three assists. Rashford scored a cracking free kick. Martial scored probably one of my favourite goals of the season so far. That one-two tiki-taka, peel off the back, exploited the defenders, just tapped it in. Fantastic. You got Jesse Lingard gun leaning. Nah, what's all this? Like, this all mad. Herrera scoring a banger, albeit it was a deflection, but they got to go in. They got to go in. It was a spectacular performance. This was the first time a Manchester United team has scored more five goals in a game since Alex Ferguson left in 2013 so man literally just stepped in and broke records like you can't complain obviously people will say oh it's Cardiff they're dead this is that but listen that's a huge huge momentum boost for us like the players look like they're in good spirits I'm seeing holy Instagram posts of bear man saying we're united this this that they look like they just came out of a toxic relationship and all that like it's crazy what confidence or what changing circumstances can do for you like Pogba just walked into the team boom three assists like he's playing like his old self man is I couldn't believe it like I was rubbing my eyes man I was saying this is the team part of me I don't know man it seems like I don't know what Mourinho was coaching them tactically or anything like that but the way they were playing yeah it was just so so attacking and refreshing to watch I saw the full-backs, actually young Luke Shaw, they were like, they were basically playing as wingers. Like, it was just a perfect, perfect performance, man. And hopefully more of that, maybe you can challenge into the top four. I know I wrote off our chances, but playing like this, hey, who knows what we can, who knows what we can achieve. That was a fantastic result for us, man. I'm so happy. The huge debate at the moment, 
this way it seems is that Pochettino to United, that's the huge debate that's being discussed around the league. Um, obviously, that's unsettling a lot of Spurs fans. I was speaking to one, I was speaking to him, he was like, confident Pochettino is going to stay at Tottenham, talking all this, this, that, how United, they don't have time to, you know, nurture another manager, especially with the shambolic managerial appointments they've appointed since Ferguson left. And with that, I agree with him. But at the same time, we need someone who can nurture the youth, the youth players. That's the DNA of Manchester United, you know, nurturing the young players, integrating them into the squad, whilst also winning, winning trophies, because at the end of the day, that's the main priority, man. That's what makes us the top club that we are, and we need to get back to winning ways. So, yeah, a lot of people have been doubting whether Pochettino can done that, because the key thing, they always had to say, what has he won, what has he won? But me personally, if you ask me, I feel like it's not just about what he's won, the fact that he hasn't won anything with Tottenham, I feel like it's the mentality of the Tottenham players. I don't think they believe they can win anything. And this stems all the way back to when they were knocked out in the Champions League. I believe it was round of 16 against Juventus when Chiellini, <laughs> infamously in his post-match interview, spoke about how Tottenham, their small-minded club, like they don't believe they can win. They lack mentality. And I've said this before on the previous podcast, like, them man know, like, if Chiellini and them man know in Syria are that te- Tottenham don't have the mentality, then, of course, it's no, well known around the league. We all know Tottenham are bottlers, especially that year when Leicester won the league. I mean, they came third in a two-horse race. I will never understand that to this day. They were all set to finish second, albeit I know that's not something you'll celebrate about, but runners-up in the Premier League, that's not a bad that's not a bad thing to have on your resume. But at the same time, they should have won the league. That was Tottenham's year to win to win a trophy. Literally, car Chelsea were Chelsea were all over the place. They were in like ninth, tenth place, whatever. United, we all knew they were never in the title race from the get go. And Arsenal, Arsenal, they were playing poorly. So that was really Tottenham's year to win. And on the last day of the season, they lost to Newcastle and already relegated Newcastle by five goals to one, bro. And they came third in the league. <laughs> I still can't believe that to this day. But yeah, as I was saying, I think it's a mentality thing with Tottenham that stems. I think it's integrated in their history. It's not just Pochettino. It's players' mindset needs to change. That's what I believe. That's what's holding them back from winning a trophy. But yeah, moving on. As I was saying, the main debate right now between United fans is whether they, who should replace Solskjaer at the end of the season. So... um. There's a lot of candidates being mentioned. There was, of course, Mauricio Pochettino at Spurs. There's also Zinedine Zidane, who's currently out of a job since leaving Real Madrid after winning the Champions League three years in a row. Elite mentality. What a guy. And there's also some like less familiar names, like Laurent Blanc, who used to manage PSG and the French national side. And there's like, you know, them wild cards. Couple men say like Eddie Howe and them and there. But me personally, if you ask me, I feel like I want Pochettino to manage United. I know what people say about how he hasn't won anything, but I feel like he's he's bringing his mentality is refreshing, man. The way he can, the way he's developed players at Spurs. Look at what Son's doing. Deli Ali's banging goals. Look at the way Harry Kane's been off to a flyer. His mentality, coupled with the history of Manchester United and the board. And the current players we have at the moment, I feel like that's a recipe for success. Let me explain why. So a lot of people have been criticizing the board about how he hasn't got, how Ed Woodward hasn't bought the players that Mourinho has requested. But you have to remember, yeah, the board has backed Mourinho for the past two and a half years. 
He gave, look at how much money we spent on Bailly, Lindelof, Fred this season. You're talking Pogba, Lukaku. Like all these players, they cost Bailly 30 million. Lindelof 30 million. Pogba, British transfer record, 93.25 million. Lukaku, 75 million. Rising to 90 million with add-ons. Like, come on, like this is big boy money being spent. And look at that. Like, Bailly don't even make the team. Lindelof, he's been in and out the team. Like, We've backed you. You've fought with these big, big players for these big, big uh, price tags and you ain't playing them. So why should I put my trust in you, yeah, to give you more money to spend when you're not even playing the players that you, you, you've been buying? So that's one thing, yeah. So I don't think it's completely the board's fault. Moving on, yeah. All right, cool. Pochettino hasn't won anything, yeah. But when you look at that Tottenham team, none of them have won it. Like, I don't see no winners in that squad. Like, they haven't bought any... Right, cool. Lucas Moura, he's won 2-2 two, two League uh, with PSG. But, fam, I could manage PSG and we win League uh, And maybe a, a Coupe de la Coupe or whatever it's called, bruh. But, yeah, it's a mentality thing. So, we all know Pochettino. He's going to nurture the young players we have at the moment. So, the likes of the Rashfords, the Marshalls, the Lingard. Even though he's not young, like, he's 26. A lot of men forget that. I feel like he's the one, man. I really think he's the one for us. And also, Pochettino, he's not the type to criticise his players in the media. How many man has Mourinho beefed? Forget about in his career, because that stems way back to like Hazards, Ronaldo's, all Casillas, all them men. Let's go about United. So, Luke Shaw, yeah. Luke Shaw, he just seems like a humble brother. Like, he just wants to play left back, fam. Luke Shaw, we all know the, the Pogba situation, the clash of the egos. That's what I like to call it. Lukaku. Bye. Like all these guys, Marshall, all these guys, he's drawn these men out, yeah. And you can't you can't do that as a manager, bruv. Unacceptable. So I don't think none of that will be happening under Pochettino. And moving on to the next point, yeah. Um, people have been talking about Zidane. Alright, cool. I hear what's I hear the Zidane appointment. At first I was screaming Zidane. I think I even screamed that on a podcast a couple times. But yeah, so with Zidane, serial winner, legend of a player, World Cup winner, won the Champions League three times in a row as a Real Madrid manager. To be fair, I don't really care whether it's Pochettino or Zidane. I just prefer Pochettino because I've seen what he's done in the Premier League, innit? And I've seen the way Tottenham are playing, innit? But with Zidane, there's always this talk of, oh, he's never managed in the Premier League. You have to, you might have to give him a season or two, despite the fact man like Conte came in from Italy, won the league with Chelsea first season. And people always, people find little things to criticise, like, oh, language barrier he doesn't speak english like none of, when pochettino came was he not giving post-match interviews with an interpreter as a southampton manager that man was still playing well like none of that matters but yeah me personally pochettino over zidane in it but let's move on though let's move on we'll just have to wait and see how Ole gonna social manages this team so far so good he's looking well man but I can't lie, it's just Cardiff, but we would like to see more from him. And I feel like he's a breath of fresh air in the changing rooms, man. You need that. He has that positive mentality, that attacking mentality ingrained in his system from the Fergie days. But yeah, let's move on, though, across across Manchester. <laughs> Sit down! Nobody talk! I, I was so shocked when I saw this result. Manchester City 2, Crystal Palace 3. The Palace boys have done it. I big up the South Londoners, though, man. Crystal Palace beat Man City 3-2 at the Etihad. Shocking, shocking result. Andros Townsend scored probably one of the goal of the season so far. Banger, top bins, bullied it from like, what, 35 yards. 
left Edison speechless. It was a fantastic strike, man. Milovojevic scoring a pen. I, that guy, I think he's so clinical when it comes to penalties. I think I've only seen him miss like one penalty. Anytime you put that man on the spot, he just puts it in. And De Bruyne scored some mad cross goal to try salvage something for City. But at the end of the day, they lost. And now they slipped to four points behind the leaders, Liverpool, who will come to them later on on the programme. But yeah, that was a really, really surprising win, man. Big win for Palace. I mean, big them up. And this just shows that this is why the Premier League's the best league in the world, man. I don't care what anyone says. Like, anyone can beat anyone on their given day. We were seeing City just walk through teams. 4-0, 5-0, 2-0, 8-0. Aye, they didn't win 8-0, but you get the gist in it. Like, we are just looking at them thinking... Is anyone going to beat them? Like, it's crazy. And then all of a sudden, they lose 2-0 against Chelsea. Now they've lost at home to Palace. Like, it's crazy, man. This just shows how City really are beatable. And the, and it makes the league more competitive. Albeit, I, cool, I'm a United fan, innit? So I don't really want to see City or Liverpool win the league. But title race, like, I'm here for it. It's exciting, man. No one wants to see what City done last season. Just blah, every team win by 19 points. But yeah, it's a mad result. I know Pep Guardiola was fuming, bruv. I said, sit down, nobody talk. But yeah, that is a shocking, shocking defeat for them. But as I've said from the beginning of the season, I still back them to win the league. And this just makes it a whole more interesting, man. Because now they're talking about how in the transfer window, they're probably going to give him like 200 mil to spend, man. But they talk about how Fernandinho might need to be replaced, this, this, that. Listen, like, it's one defeat, man. They'll bounce back. They really will bounce back. But, like I said, we have a title race on our hands, and I'm fully here for it, man. Hopefully, it's a lot more interesting than last season. But, yeah, let's move on to the team at the top of the league. The Friday night football. I still don't know why they play Premier League matches on Friday. I almost forgot to do my fantasy team, bruv. But, yeah, <laughs> at Molyneux, Wolves lost to Liverpool by two goals to nil. Mo Salah scoring, that is his 11th goal of the season. He's off to a great start, 14th goal in all competitions. And Virgil van Dijk scoring only his second goal for Liverpool. That's a solid win for Liverpool. Leaves them top at Christmas. Four points clearing out at the top. And one player I want to mention is Virgil van Dijk because he is the real deal. Last year when they bought him from Southampton for 75 million, I was one of those I was one of those people I was thinking, 75 mil on a Southampton centre-back. I was thinking, whoa. But I can't lie, I applaud Klopp because he wanted these man. He went and got him, literally. He wanted him, he got him. Bow. He's looked like a solid, solid purchase for him, man. I mean, he single-handedly sorted out his Liverpool's defensive problems. Obviously, shout out Joel Gomez, Andy Robertson as well because they've been putting in a shift. But Virgil van Dijk, he's the real deal. Like, I've watched, I watched that game. He just locked up Adama Traore. Like, those of you who don't know, Adama Traore, he's a beast, man. He's got blistering pace, big st- physical player, holy for strength. And one-on-one, I, I worried for Van Dijk because I feel like Traore, he had the strength and the pace to beat him. But Van Dijk matched his pace and I was just shocked. I was thinking, bruh, so he really got this in his locker. So he locked him up and we all know what he done to Lukaku last weekend. He he just torment terrorized him. He just I don't know. He, Lukaku didn't even want to play like he was hiding from the ball. I can't lie, at this current moment in time, Van Dyke's the best centre back in the Premier League right now. No doubt, man. I I can't lie. And I saw Jamie Carragher say something like 
he's a mixture of Ferdinand, Terry, and Vidic. And there's no way that's true, man. They're just you're just stretching it now. Like, all right, cool. You play for Liverpool, and he plays for Liverpool right now. I get that, like, passion. But like, let's just speak facts. These men that you mentioned, they're all serial winners. And Van Dijk ain't won nothing at Liverpool anyway. So calm your horses. <laughs> cool. Moving on to other results. I, these man must have thought that we'll forget about the L. They try to take a silent L, you know, because of obviously what happened with United and City and all that. But Chelsea lost at home, you know. Like, let's not forget about that. They lost at home to Leicester. They thought, <laughs> they thought we'll forget about that. Nah, mate. Elon held that L, man. I don't know what's going on, yeah. All that Sarri boo I was seeing at the beginning of the season. I feel like I don't know what's happening, but teams are starting to clock on. But yeah, Jamie Vardy scoring. By the way, Jamie Vardy, he's a big game player, you know. I saw a statistic after the Chelsea match. Against the top six, he's got 13 goals in 15 games. And that is solid. Like, when you need him most, he's there. Like, I rate him for that. There was an interview with Jamie Vardy saying he doesn't really like the Claude Puel system. He doesn't really fit in it. This is that. He doesn't really like it. But fair play to him. He got his head down, um, sucked it up, and he banged in a goal. He got all three points for his team. That's a good win for them. Chelsea, I don't know what's going on with them. I feel like they're starting to crack. I mean, they lost that Wolves. I right, we will give you lot that in it. Car Wolves, they've they've proven to be a force against the top teams, and you don't expect to win every game in it. Like you can slip up here and there, but this defeat against Leicester, like I just can't lie. Alarm bells started ringing for me because boy, I don't know what's going on. Morata, we all know he's he's not cut out for the Prem at all. Or alright, cool. Let me not criticize him that much. He's not the striker that Chelsea thought they would be buying for 70 million. And I don't really know what's going on with Chelsea. They, they're still in fourth right now, but they're level on points with Arsenal. So whether they can clinch a top four position, we all know they have the quality to do that. But with results like that, I highly doubt it, man. But there have been a lot of reports that they're due to have a big transfer window in January. A lot of talks of a Morata Higuain swap. I feel like that was the guy that Chelsea should have got at the beginning of the season. Gonzalo Higuain, he, I feel like he would fit Chelsea a lot with the way he plays and the way Chelsea are currently playing now under Sarri. I can't, I don't know why Timlin would want to get um, Morata though, especially on current form. Well, it'll be interesting to see. I'll be keeping my eyes peeled if they do make that swap because I can't like put Higuain in that Chelsea team with a fully flying Eden Hazard right now behind a midfield trio of Jorginho, Kante, Fabregas, Barkley, lost of cheek Boy, that could make for an interesting end to the season. A serious, serious end to the season, boy. But yeah, let's move on across London. In the early kickoff on Saturday, Arsenal beat Burnley 3-1. Obama blood clot, yang. <laughs> he banged in two goals. Can't lie, that second goal was special. He roofed it into the net. Real shot power. He's been on fire this season. That's his 12th goal. He tops the scoring charts right now with 12. But yeah, he's on fire. Alex will be scoring the last minute goal as well to wrap up the three points for them. And yeah, Ashley Barnes scoring for Burnley. Good win for Arsenal. They're bouncing back, playing well. Still in fifth at the moment. Level on points with Chelsea though. But yeah, I want to talk about Aubameyang. I had an argument <laughs> the other day with some somebody. Right now, I feel like he's the most informed striker in the league because of the mere fact the goals that he's scoring and the fact that with all the attacking players that Arsenal have, he's scoring the most. What makes me add to my argument is the fact that Lacazette also has seven goals. It just shows how much 
of an attacking threat Arsenal are when you've got two players that have scored a combined 19 goals before Christmas. But what I was going to say is, without Lacazette, yeah, Gaeta missed a couple chances. Aubameyang has 12 goals with Lacazette, so without him, he'd probably be on like 20 right now. So he's really in form at the moment. He's starting to show that Dortmund form as well, where he toppled Robert Lewandowski in the top scorer charts. So, boy... If he finds that, if he rediscovers that Dortmund form, he'll be a real force. This will add to the title race, you know. I know that I called there a bunch of points behind them and Man City, but if you think of it like this, if Aubameyang rediscovers his Dortmund form, yeah, and Arsenal start playing how they were playing early in the season when they um got that win streak, if Chelsea somehow nab Higuain from AC Milan, if um Liverpool keep playing the way they are and City keep playing the way they are, listen, this title race could be mad, like. I'm not saying these men are going to win it, but the pressure will be piled on and it'll be it'll be mad to watch. Believe me. Let's move on to the only game we had on Sunday. I, it was a Christmas cracker. Trust me. At Goodison Park, Everton 2, Tottenham 6. Some tennis score. Aye, that game was mad. I was watching it. I was just seeing, boom, go, 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 go. I was thinking, wow. Everton went a goal up from early. Phil Walcott scoring. Then Tottenham just came back with Son scoring. Then Deli Ali scoring, that was his fourth of the season. Second half, they just came back again. Son scoring his second. Harry Kane banging in two goals. And Christian Eriksen scored a banger. That's a big defeat for Everton, man. Conceding six goals at home. Like defenders <laughs> defending that game was just it was just it was basically optional for both teams. God, the way I saw it, yeah, it was just so easy. So easy to penetrate the defense. But that's a big win for Tottenham and <laughs> adds to the speculation about Pochettino going to United. Tottenham underlined their title credentials with that win. They closed the gap two points behind Man City, six behind Liverpool. And as I've been saying, like, <clears throat> all podcasts, this is going to add to the title race. Trust me, because if they can keep firing as well, it's going to it's gonna be interesting to see. Harry Kane, he's got 11 at the moment. He's one behind top scorer Aubameyang. He's been firing as well. One player I want to talk about is Hyungmin Son. He he's quality man. He's a he's a decent decent player. Obviously scoring two on the weekend. He's got five this season. Unfortunately, he's gonna be away from Spurs in January because of the Asian Cup or something like that. They just need to let that brother play Premier League football, man. This guy, his life was on the line in in summer. He had to go to war, but he scored. <laughs> but yeah, now he, he has to be gone for the Asian Cup and. Yeah, I don't know who's going to replace him in that team, but whoever it is, they have huge boots to fill because he's playing in real form at the moment. But yeah, people are saying, how good is Son? He's a, he's a quality guy, but me personally, I don't even think he's top 10 wingers in the Premier League at the moment. Because let me break it down for you like this. All right, so we've got Eden Hazard. For me, This is my top 10 wingers list in the Premier League, yeah? So I've got Hazard. This is in no particular order as well. So I've got Hazard. I got Sane, I got Mane, Mo Salah, I've got Bernardo Silva. If you want to count him as a winger, a lot of people put him as an attacking midfielder. But yeah, I got him. I got Marshall, Sterling, I've got Richarlison, and yeah, he's probably like eighth. But he's still decent. I mean, left foot, right foot, you can finish it. He's a he's a good, good winger, man. I like him a lot. Rounding up the rest of the Premier League weekend results. So on Saturday, Bournemouth beat Brighton 2-0. Brooks scoring two goals. He's looking like a solid signing. David Brooks, I think they got him from Sheffield United. So he's really stepped up to the Premier League. Banging in goals, assists, link-up plays well as well. So that's decent. 
Um, Huddersfield lost at home to Southampton 3-1. Southampton, they've been looking revitalised under their new manager. We all know what they done to Arsenal last week, winning another win as well. Nathan Redmond and Danny Ings scoring as well. So that's a good win for them as they try to battle relegation. Newcastle drew 0-0 against Fulham. Hey, listen, that's a big, big result for Fulham. That's their first clean sheet of the season. They're the, they're the last team in English football to record a clean sheet. That's crazy. So that's a good, good draw for them, man. It's a really good point. Obviously, they're still languishing in the relegation zone. They're still bottom, but they're level on points with Huddersfield. Um, the game I was at on Saturday, I was at London Stadium for West Ham against Watford. It was a, I don't want to say poor performance because they really did apply pressure, but it was a disappointing result for West Ham, especially at home, especially the fact that they had players on form. Felipe Anderson, we all know what he's been doing this season. If you don't know, he's got seven goals, a few bangers. He's been playing well, a few assists as well. Good, quick feet. He's got skills as well. So he was playing well and... Yeah, they lost at home to Watford 2-0. Troy Deeney scoring a penalty. Hey, listen, Troy Deeney is a bad man because I was in the West Ham end when he scored that penalty and he ran straight to the West Ham fans. And for someone to do that to West Ham fans just shows you got a bit of courage, man. Of course, they didn't like it. They were cussing him all game, but that's what football is about, man. And then Gerard De La Faye was just sealing the deal like a couple minutes before the end of the game. But yeah, back to West Ham, they had huge chances. I mean, Antonio, he missed, the, he missed the open goal with a header. Javier Hernandez, unlike him, he missed a lot of chances. Like, they piled the pressure on, but at the end of the day, it's really not good enough, especially against um, a team of Watford where you're both of, like, similar abilities, so you shouldn't really be losing, like, 2-0. But yeah, that, that defeat, it leaves West Ham in 12th place. They're literally in mid-table, which... I would expect that for West Ham as well, but can they challenge and move into the top 10? That's a real challenge for them. And Watford move up into 7th, so that's a good result for them. Yeah, that's it for the Premier League. What I want to talk about is the Carabao Cup. We had a couple Carabao Cup semi-final games during the week. We saw the North London derby, Tottenham v Arsenal. Arsenal losing at home to Spurs, 2-0. And yeah, Son and Ali scoring. That was a good, that's a good comeback for Spurs because we all know what happened when they played Arsenal at the Emirates in the Premier League. After going a goal up, they lost miserably. <laughs> but yeah, that's a good game. They faced Chelsea in the semi-finals. Can they go through? I actually think they can because, as I was saying earlier, Chelsea look a bit shaky right now. And Spurs, they're, they're in good form. So I could see them, obviously it's two, two, obviously it's two legs in it because it's the semi-finals. So I feel like Spurs will go through and... It'll be interesting to see if they do go through because they'll be in another final and have a chance to win a cup for the first time in <laughs> a long time. But yeah, the other semi, the other quarterfinal, Chelsea beat Bournemouth 1-0. Who else? Eden Hazard scoring at the death for them. 84th minute strike. And yeah, that's a good win for them. They also go and play Tottenham, as I just said. So yeah, it'll be an interesting semi-final. The game's on Tuesday. Man City beat Leicester on penalties. To be fair, it was one of the worst penalty shootouts I've seen in a while. Like, a couple penalties like James Madison, um, Christian Fuchs, poor, poor penalties. Like, I've never understood how you can be so... How you can lack being clinical from 12 yards. Like, all right, cool, you don't have to score all the time, but make the keeper make a decent save if he has to save it. Or at least get on target. Like, come on. 
Raheem Sterling missed a Paneka penalty. <laughs> it gets at that, though. It gets at that. But, yeah, City went through. Um, and the other semi-final, Burton Albion into a League Cup semi-final. They beat Middlesbrough at home. That's good on them, man. Good on Burton Albion. Let's see if they can <laughs> beat Man City and get into the League Cup final. I wonder what the odds on that are. <laughs> Moving on. Obviously, this is the festive period, so we've got a lot of Premier League games coming up thick and fast. So on Boxing Day, we've got a full round of fixtures. Got Fulham at home to Wolves. That's at 12.30. I'll be at that game. Hopefully, Fulham win because I've been following Fulham for a long time and I really don't want to see them getting relegated. So, yeah, I'll be at that game. Other 3 o'clock kickoffs, there's Burnley, Everton, Crystal Palace, Cardiff, Leicester City, Man City. We'll see if City can bounce back away at Leicester but Leicester they'll be they'll have momentum though because they just beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge like no little team do that Liverpool at home to Newcastle United at home to Huddersfield let's see if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer can build on that 5-1 victory Tottenham Bournemouth then we've got 5-15 kickoff Brighton Holt and Hove Albion at home against Arsenal and Watford Chelsea hey, that's gonna be a hard game for Chelsea you know to go up Vicarage Road hopefully they bounce back though because they can't be losing. They can't be losing two on the trot, man. That won't be good at all. Then after Boxing Day, we got Southampton West Ham at seven forty-five kickoff. Games coming thick and fast, so there will be another podcast coming this week, most likely Friday. So look out for that one. But yeah, that wraps it up for the Premier League segment. We'll be back. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Clutch underscore Pod. Moving on to the NBA segment now. Moving on to the NBA segment now. Got a few things to wrap up. We start off with some news that came out the other day. So the other day, the Pelicans played the Lakers at the Staples Center. LeBron and AD going, going at it. You know they were going to go at it. Lakers won in the end, beating them 112-104. And before the game, LeBron was interviewed on whether or not he would like to play with AD. Obviously, AD being a superstar and LeBron being the way he is, of course, he's going to say, yeah, he would love to play with AD. It would be a pleasure. All of that stuff. And then he came up, then he was being criticised by some GMs from small market teams. So small market GMs criticised him for that move, saying that he's tampering with a future free agent and in a way i understand where they're coming from because obviously if you're in a small market like memphis for example recruiting marquee free agents is hard because number one your market's small and the place where you are is not really a desirable place that no free agents would really want to go tennessee to bang bull when you can go miami you can go la um, new york places like that so they were saying that LeBron was tampering and a lot of people were disagreeing and agreeing with what he was saying. Me personally, obviously, if if you ask a player that, do you want to play with another player? Like, what's he meant to say? Is he going to say no? So, of course, he there's nothing wrong with what LeBron said. It's just that people need to understand that LeBron is he's a business. So whatever he says, he influences the NBA in a way that we've never seen before. He is the face of the NBA at this moment of time and he's been like that for a number of years now. Moving on, one team I want to talk about, OKC. They've been flying recently and one player I really want to big up is Paul George because he's been putting up some impressive numbers for OKC. He put up two 43-point games this week. Against the Jazz, he put up 43 and 14 and 6. 
Right now, he's averaging 26, 8, and 4. So he's really been flourishing under this new system. And a lot of people credit Russell Westbrook for that as well because his usage rating has gone down. He's controlling the ball less. And a lot of people have praised him for that because obviously we all know he's been heavily criticised especially the fact that he played with Harden and KD and didn't win a ring. And a lot of people say the way he plays, he will never win a ring, his mentality, this, this, that. But recently, he's he's shown that he's maturing because he's taken a step back. He's letting Paul George flourish. Like If he sees that he's hot, he'll give him the ball, continue giving him the ball, let Paul George do his thing, basically. And at the same time, he's also getting his numbers. Right now, he's averaging a triple-double. Can he do it for the third year in a row? I have no doubt in him. He can do that. And another person on that squad that's been doing well is Steven Adams. He He's really the third person of their big three, if you want to call it that. Getting them rebounds, hustling in the paint. Like, he's been playing well. OKT has been doing well, man. They're sitting third in the West right now. Their current record is 21 and 11. They're doing well. They're doing well. The, we all know they're going to be a threat come playoff time because I really feel like that defeat against the Jazz last year will spur them on. And there's no way that's going to happen this year. A lot of people have been saying recent run of form for Paul George is making him a uh, outsider's choice for MVP and to be fair the, his numbers right now those are MVP numbers I mean 26 8 and 4 and he's been putting up some big numbers recently 243 point games 31 points the other day albeit they did lose against the Jazz but he's been putting up his numbers he's he, he gets them boards as well you know another player who's been widely touted to be an outsider's chance for MVP is none other than Nikola Jokic, white chocolate. <laughs> right now, he's averaging 18, 10, and 7 for a big man. Those are impressive numbers, especially with them seven times. He's probably one of the best passers as a big man that I've seen. And he's the best passing big man in the league right now. Right now, the Nuggets sit in top of the East, cream of the crop right now. At first, I just thought it was like, you know, some early season momentum, but they've carried that all through to Christmas. So, I believe at this point it's well it's more the momentum is they're actually a quality team and you know Jamal Murray he's been getting these numbers as well averaging 17 5 and 5 they're all playing well and we forget that they got players who are still need to come back from injury Isaiah Thomas it will be interesting to see how he comes back obviously he suffered from injuries recently they still they got the likes of Will Barton as well Paul Millsap Gary Harris so when will these guys come back It'll be interesting to see if they can continue this form or whether they can secure a top three seed in the West, which will be very impressive for Denver, man, considering they didn't even make the playoffs last year. Moving on, the other day, Rockets played Wizards at the Toyota Center in Houston and they broke the NBA record for most frees made in a game with 26, beating the Wizards 136 to 118. That's a nice piece of history for them. On the negative side of that, though, Chris Paul went off injured. He's out for a few weeks with a hamstring injury. He's been suffering from injuries. We all know that cost him in game five in the NBA in the Western Conference Finals. So, yeah, I mean, this is a player who's going to be making, what, 40 million all the way up to he's 36. So, I don't know whether or not Daryl Morey is starting to regret giving him that money, given his injury history. So, we'll only have to hope and pray that he does get better and get back to, you know, being Chris Paul. As it is the festive period in the NBA, there are some lucrative festive fixtures. So, starting off on Christmas Day, we got the Bucks. They're playing at Madison Square Garden against the Knicks. After that, we got OKC against the Rockets in Houston. After that, we got Philly 76ers. We travel to the TD Garden up against the Boston Celtics. 76ers' last game they played was against Toronto, a blowout in Canada. 
it was a good W for them, but albeit Toronto didn't have Valentunis, Ibaka and Kawhi, but listen, a win is a win, and we'll, that's all the more reason that we had to win, despite the fact they didn't have them players. So yeah, after that, it's the big one. We've got the Lakers against the Golden State Warriors, LeBron going up against KD, that is at the Oracle, and the last game on Christmas Day is the Trailblazers. They travel to Salt Lake City to play the Utah Jazz. So those are nice, nice matchups to watch. So it'll be an action-packed day. And yeah, big up everyone celebrating. And yeah, so <laughs> an interesting topic came up. James Harden, you know, he's typical step-back three. Video footage emerged of him <laughs> actually taking three steps instead of two while um, doing his step-back three. And a lot of people have, a lot of people are trolling him on the internet for that. <laughs> making memes, making video edits of him running through the world <laughs> with that step back. When you think about it, a lot of people do hate the way he plays, the fact that he draws foul after foul, takes free throw after free throw. I mean, some days he's, he's at the line like 20 times, bruv. <laughs> so, yeah, I understand why that can frustrate people because we're used to seeing, like, you know, silky basketball, you know, three-pointers, jiving to the rack, dunking, layups, euros, all that stuff. And then just watching a man get fouled again and again and again can get boring. But it's the way he plays the game and it clearly works for him. So how can you hate on him? <laughs> I feel like that's probably it for the NBA segment. We'll be back next week. Same time, same place. Obviously, all-star voting is opening soon. So we'll get a couple more people on the panel to discuss who their all-stars are. I'm about to make my all-star list. It's all exciting. I like this time of the year. So yeah, next week, look forward to that. Look out for our all-star list and yeah, don't forget to follow us on the Twitter at clutch underscore pod.